Welcome to my podcast, Freestyle. I really hope you enjoy today's episode, and if so, please, please share on social media. Today, I'm absolutely delighted to welcome international British dressage rider, Michael Elberg. Michael is son of the very well-known dressage rider and trainer, Ferdy Elberg. Michael has had great success with the outstanding mare Woodlander Frouche winning the FEI World Breeding Championships for young dressage horses in 2011 and 2012. He was also part of the silver medal winning team at the World Equestrian Games riding Half Moon Delphi. Today I want to find out about Michael's training styles, his daily routine, his up and coming horses, what it was like to win the medal with Woodlander Frouche and so much more. Thank you very much for listening. Thank you for giving up your time this evening to talk to me no worries that's fine my first question was what was it like to grow up with a father who was very established on the dressage circuit oh da- old daddy oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah i suppose it was uh was a little bit um, intimidating uh, but for me for me to start with, obviously, I didn't start the dressage uh, until a bit later. So for a long time, I think I was a bit naive, to be honest. Yeah. Didn't really didn't really know quite sort of who my dad was until I started doing a bit more in the dressage circuit. And then, you know, quite a lot of people, you know, saying to me, that's pretty good, isn't it? <laughs> so I think um, I think it took me a little moment to actually appreciate who he was and what he was able to offer. Um, and um, yeah, so obviously once I started doing a bit more work with the dressage horses together, um, it, it, we, we developed a bit more communication, a bit more of a relationship, I suppose. And what about with Maria? Was there any rivalry between you or have you always got on pretty well? Um, yeah, no, I mean, there definitely probably was a bit of rivalry, I suppose. When I was first started, I was always striving to, you know, be as do be as successful as she was. Yeah. Um, and uh, you know, we've all had uh, different times in our lives, I suppose, with different horses where we've uh, been able to support each other. So it's, nice. it's worked well, I've thought. You know, we've had Maria had obviously Ed two socks and went on the team uh, with him, and then I came. I had uh, Delphi um, and went on the team with her, and then. When I've had a little lapse, then she had royal concert. So we've we've sort of managed to keep our our team um, supported with each other doing what you know different things. Oh, that's nice. That's, yeah, yeah, that's cool. Um, and when did you change from dressage uh, from jumping to dressage, and why? So I I think I did my first dressage test when I was twenty twenty two. I think really? it was. Yeah. Um, yeah, I always remember it. it was uh, I, did a, I did an elementary at Solihull. Okay. And um, I got 72 and I won. And I was like, all right, well, maybe I should stick at this. I don't seem to be too bad at it. <laughs> and, um, and I, don't, I don't know that much about it. Were you very successful in jumping? Um, well, it's, it's, hard, it's hard to talk about yourself like that. I mean, I wasn't bad. I'm not going to say I was the best rider in <laughs> the jump best jump rider in the world because I'd probably still be doing it yeah um, if, I, if I was but um no I wasn't bad um I one thing I can say is I'm, I'm the only rider to have jumped from the world-class potential show jumping squad straight to the world-class potential dressage squad 
Wow, so it all happened very fast then. Yeah, it, it sort of did, yeah. It was a bit of a circumstances as well. It wasn't actually a choice. Okay. It was sort of just the way it, it just the way it went. I mean, I'd never envisaged myself as a as a dressage rider and trainer. Um, when I was younger, I was show jumping all the way. Yeah. Um, I'd always knew I wanted to do the horses, but it was yeah, it was very very much show jumping. And uh, I got a job. I got a job when I was twenty one. Um, to I think I was, I was I got a job in Sweden. Yeah. And uh, I was all set to to do the the job in Sweden, so I sold all the horses I had at home um, and got freed up, ready to go. Yeah. And the, the job fell through at the last minute. It wasn't quite, ended up not being quite what I'd hoped it was going to be. So I ended up not. Ah, okay. Yeah. And it sort of coincided, it coincided with the rider on the yard also that was riding the dressage horses with Dad and Maria. He left. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and so then Dad sort of said to me, well, you know, you've got nothing to ride. I've got horses that need to be ridden why don't you have a go um, at working with the horses? And I said, yeah, sure, I'll, I'll pop my jumping saddle on and I'll give them a bit of work. Yeah. But you're not, but you're not getting me in the dressage saddle. Um, <laughs> slowly but surely, of course, the dressage saddle went on and then it was, why don't you take them to a show? And that's you kind did of how, how, how it went, yeah. And sort of how quickly then did you go from doing an elementary to riding a Grand Prix? Uh, I don't know. Actually, um, I don't know 100% with that one. It would have probably been a few years. Yeah. Um, but I, I remember I, I went to the... It, within my first year, I, I won the, the regional championships at Advanced Medium. And wow. I, I didn't really didn't really know what I'd done. I sort of just went to the show and did the test and yeah. won and then found, sort of found out later it was, it was quite a big deal. Um, and I think that was the easiest thing for me, to be honest, at that time, is I was so naive to it all. And I just kind of just did stuff and didn't worry about it. And I think it's all got hardened since I've known what, what I've done, to be honest. Yeah, it sounds it sounds like dressage has found you then, although. Yeah, definitely. I think it, yeah. I think it has. And I, I think I, I wasn't, I didn't realise, actually, all of the information that I was quietly absorbing just from being on the on on the yard at home and listening and watching all of my family do what they do um yeah. i think i just picked a lot up without really noticing um and so that's where i found the transition not too difficult you know and is it quite stressful training with your dad or is that just because he's done so well do you just respect him and it's it's easy how does that work yeah, you know, the, these days it's a little bit different. We're all getting a bit older now. Um, yeah. And so I would say the dynamic is a little bit different than it was when I was starting out. Yeah. Um, but no, I mean, obviously to me, he's dad, isn't he? So yeah, there you go. It, it's, it's like any other, any, it's like your dad. It's like anyone else's dad. It's it, primarily his dad. Um, yeah. And that's first before anything else. Yeah, no, sure. Um, which are the dressage rider and it doesn't have to be a dressage rider inspires you um i think there's a lot of people that obviously can inspire you um i think anybody that that does i think anybody that does something very well that i think you admire um yeah. in any sphere really so yeah when it comes to obviously the riding and stuff 
anybody that I basically look at and think I would like to ride like that and I appreciate the way that they're training their horses and stuff, then I think you look up to and you try to take information from, yeah? Yeah, take bits and pieces of different people, don't you? Yeah. Yeah. Um, a lot of people will know how successful you were with Woodlander Farouche. When did you first start riding and training her? And did you know that she was a superstar right from day, the day one? Yeah, so we, we did know she was a special horse. Yeah, she, she showed that from quite an early age. Um, I mean, we so the first time I saw her was um, she was three years old. Yeah. Um, and, and then I, I started riding her when she had just been backed um, and she was had just turned four and then she came to the to the yard and I started riding her um, right from the sort of the beginning of her education. Yeah. Um, and you, yeah, you could see quite early on that she had exceptional quality to her gates yeah. um, and she just needed a little bit of time to strengthen up because she was such a big rangy mare as a four-year-old she was a bit like a spider you know yeah um but yeah no I mean as a young horse she gave such an incredible feeling and was the goal to do the world championships like did you set out with that in mind straight away yeah as soon as we I would have said sort of towards the end of her fourth year it definitely was something that we were we were aiming towards because Lynn was obviously our uh, Lynn bred her and was had obviously been a, a, a dream, I think, of hers. Uh, you know, when you breed horses, you, you know, I think your dream is to have the horse go to the World Breeding Championships. Yeah. It's the, it's, it's the pinnacle for your breeding success, isn't it? So I think Lynn had obviously admired the show and, and what it represented. And to have a horse that she'd bred that could be uh, quality enough to go was already uh, a massive feather in, in, in her cap. And, Obviously, having it good enough that she ended up winning was just even better, wasn't it? And what was it? What was it like to win? Like, were you aware of it at the t- like? Were you so excited at the time, or was it like when you got home you realised like, what you'd achieved? Yeah, so now by that point, I think I was a little bit more aware, and yeah, no, obviously it was un- unbelievable um, to be able to have a horse that could do something like that for you. Um, and I remember being very what's the word like overwhelmed at the time it was quite um uh, yeah it was was it when I got home I was pretty exhausted yeah um, just from the, the stress I, I mean I remember that I went there in the first year when she was five and, and we um she was so different to what I think had been so often associated with the young horse championships in that she she was so able to have that all of that expression and all of that special you know, quality with being still very easy with herself. She's very relaxed almost, wasn't she? Yeah, which, you know, it's not easy and it doesn't come around very often. So I think when, when I, I always remember, and I won't name who it was, but I always remember when we got there and I was warming, like not warming her up for the competition, but just exercising her the days before. Yeah, and I kept I kept it quite quiet because I thought there's no point in exploring. Everybody doesn't need to see how well she can move right now. It matters that we do it in the ring, right? Yeah. So I, I used to give her a bit of a sort of a little trot round and not over ask her. And I remember somebody said to um, somebody said to someone, I'm going to keep them all nameless. Uh, what do you think of the chestnut? And uh, the answer was, 
Yeah, walking cans are good, but it can't trot. Oh, really? Yeah, and then uh, obviously, you know, then she went in there and... And trotted. And, uh, <laughs> and she trotted. Um, and uh, then she won. And then I, d- I do remember the, the pressure on the, the finals. I definitely was very aware and very nervous and having not experienced it before and the format and everything because you end up going last. It's like reverse order. Yeah. Well, it was or it was that time anyway. And uh, I remember the one who was second on the qualifier had got a higher mark in the finals than me in the qualifier. Oh, and no. so I'm thinking, oh, you know, they must have gone really well. I've got to really do it well now. And anyway, obviously she went amazing. I think my last halt on the centre line and, and the deep breath and the way I saluted sort of told the story, really. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah, I remember the test. It was really amazing to watch. I, I always remember as well, she had a little a little blip in one of the medium trots where she almost, almost cantered. Oh. <laughs> and I remember it, it really relaxed me because I was a bit nervous. And then I come and I did this little blip in the, in the medium trot. And then I heard everybody in the crowd go, ooh. Uh, yeah and it, it made me laugh because I was like Jesus like everybody's that intense about it and it made me relax and then actually the rest of the test went really well I bet it was like one of those moments where it's complete silence when you're doing your test and you could literally hear a pin drop <laughs> well that's it it was like so quiet and then and then and then you make a tiny blip and you hear everyone go like you know Ooh, and it's like just it did it did make me smile <laughs> Um, do you think you have to have a different training style uh, for mares versus geldings and stallions? I wouldn't say necessarily. I think you have, a diff- have to have a different training technique for, for different horses. Yeah. Um, that, there are obviously similarities to stallions and similarities to mares and geldings, but definitely we, our training system is to try to treat every, treat every horse as an individual. Yeah. Um, and, and, I do pride myself a little bit on, and it's again, it's probably a little bit due to the background that I've had. I do pride myself on having quite a lot, knowing different options and different training techniques for different horses. So I think you just got to look at each horse as an individual and then try to get the the right way forward with with them, you know? Yeah, yeah, I know that's a really good approach, I think. Um, Do you think you have to train in a specific way for a horse that will compete at the world? championships versus a horse that you're training for the long term as a Grand Prix horse? Again, it's a little bit of a yes and no question in that, of course, you have to have targets in mind early on because at the end of the day, the horse has got to fulfill a criteria at five years old, which is for some horses just too soon. Um, Other horses can can sustain it. I actually had this conversation today with a, a lesson that I was teaching. Okay. And I said, they, they asked me, you know, do you think you could go to the four-year-old uh, class? And I just said, well, if you feel like you can train it the one you, the way you want to train it, and you, feel like it and you feel like it's still going to be a good experience for the horse, then, of course, it's going to be a good experience. So, but if you feel that you're going to have to change your training too drastically just to feel that the horse is ready for the competition, then, then it's, it. probably not, it's probably not right, you know. Some horses you just feel are ready at four years old to do a four-year-old class. Some horses are ready at five and, and so on, and other horses just aren't. Um, but obviously, well, the World Breeding Championships, if you've got a special mover, 
then yeah. obviously you would you would try to do your best to keep the horse on track with the training to f- be able to fulfill the criteria for the test so that you could take him. But again, you have to do the limits of, of what the horse is able to do in a comfortable fashion. Yeah. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Do you have a specific daily routine um, and a training style? Like, talk me through your day. Um, yeah, I mean, again, like I said before, lots of different techniques for different horses. Um, so I wouldn't say... I think I think for me, one of the... I, I love... I hate and I love... I hate to ride a horse that's stiff. So yeah. for me, making a horse really loose... Uh, it's definitely a priority. So I, I do a lot of uh, a lot of work with like getting a horse gymnastic when it's young, because the, I really hate riding a horse that's stiff and, and can't like feel. I can't feel I can do what I want with its body. Yeah. Um, so I think yeah, I definitely say a big big part of my training system is to make the horse uh, gymnastic and, and supple because I feel like unless you make a horse really supple you can't really make a horse straight or and then of course you can't make a horse strong yeah so getting that overall throughness then yeah i mean throughness is basically having the horse um accepting of of all different positions and all different commands with ease really isn't it and do you jump your dressage horses I, I do, yeah. The ones that can jump well, um, yeah. then I do. The ones that are, um, come to me later on and struggle, uh, I probably would them as much. I'd probably do more like pole work with them and stuff. Yeah. Um, so like Cavalier. Yeah, yeah, exactly. If, if they're if young horses, then they all tend to jump because I, I jump them all when they're young and then they learn a little bit how to, how to do it without hurting themselves. But... Like when you've got a, a really nice horse that's come to you at an older age and it's already got a, you know, a decent value on it as a dressage horse, it would be a bit stupid to then suddenly try and teach it to jump just if it wasn't very good at it and didn't enjoy it, you know? Yeah, yeah, no, that makes sense. And like um, hacking and things like that, do you do all that with them then? Yeah, we uh, we we have a bit of like a canter track and stuff and we, and we take them out on that and uh, yeah, like, you know, get them out of the open space and one thing that I want to try doing actually more um, is taking them out to uh, the gallops because um, we've got a lot of young horses at the minute. I feel like getting them out in the open space um, would be very good for them. So that's something I'm trying to do. Yeah, I, I've just literally started taking my horses to the gallops really quite often and I think it makes a massive difference, especially with their confidence as well. All right, yeah. No, that sounds. Yeah. Uh, that's exactly my thinking, yeah. So, um, also running a business, competing, and you've just got a relatively new young family. How do you balance all of it? At the moment, it's hard. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because uh, a lot, lot, lot to do. Um, definitely, the obviously the the new arrival is 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 always a you know it's a bit of a extra thing at the moment um, to to do and manage. But I've just obviously say my my other half there, she's doing obviously most of that while I was out still doing things so she's she's doing fantastic and helping uh, me supporting me so that we can keep doing what we need to do yeah no that's good and do you have a fitness routine as well or 
Do you not have time? I, I, I do. I do. At the moment, I have to put my hands up and say I've not done as much as I normally would. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I, I've, I've got very bad. Uh, I, I blame the, 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 the parents. I've got very bad breeding in my, for my hips. Okay. So I've had a lot of trouble over the years with my hips. I've had two operations. Uh, okay. I've had one operation on both, both hips. And I find that I have to have very regular physio and keep up uh, a certain amount of exercise um, to keep the, the pain at bay. Because otherwise I find uh, if I'm too weak in certain places, I get very sore in my hips and then I really struggle to ride well. And as a result of your hips, do you ride in a special dressage saddle? Like, which ones do you ride in? So I found I ride in an Amerigo, which I've found now for many years seems to be you know, as, com- as comfortable as it can be, yeah. Cool. It's good to know. And um, what are your current string of horses like? How many do you have? What are, Do you like any particular got- breeding? We've got quite a few then at the, at the moment now. We, we started a little bit of our own breeding program um, uh, several years ago now. So we've got we've got a lot of young horses coming through that I'm really excited about. I think we've got some really special ones. Yeah. I think I, poten- I think I potentially have a a bit of a farouche number two, maybe. Oh, that's good. We'll have, to, we'll have to wait and see. She's the she's the most like her out of any of the horses we we've bred. Okay. Um, and yeah, she seems pretty, pretty smart, pretty, pretty special. How she's old is she? Three years, she's three years old this year. Okay. So we're just early, early days with her. We have to wait and see. Yeah. Um, and then I've got, um, I've got hope. Hopefully, I've got a fantastic horse called Dante, who won the seven years old um, uh, last year. He's showing incredible talent for the higher level work I don't I'd go as far to saying I actually think he could be the best horse I've ever had the Grand Prix Wow! it's just it's gonna be the nerve with him because he's a very hot horse so it's just gonna like wait and see how he copes with big atmosphere and things like that yeah um but every time every year he gets older he gets better um and uh so yeah We'll have to we'll have to wait and see, but he's he's eight years old this year and he's playing with a little bit of everything, and uh, incredible talent for the collection and incredible talent for the extension. So he, he could be he could be pretty cool, I think. Sounds exciting. What breeding is he? Did you say Dante? He's by Dante Veltino, was it? Oh. Dante Veltino, yeah. Yeah, I've got one of those, and he's very sensitive and sharp as well, but very nice, I have to say. Yeah, no, I think I think he could be a proper one that one. Um, and then uh, I've got. Um, Got a few few others. Got a mare called Rihanna, who is um, coming out now and starting to do a little bit. She's very smart. Got a horse called uh, Figolo, who um, is very nice, starting sort of small tour work. Um, yeah, we've we've definitely got. Uh, I could name a few. We've got hopefully some some nice horses to get out and about now. That's good. That'll keep you busy then. Definitely. When you're looking to buy a dressage horse or produce, what are the main things that you're looking for? For, for me as a rider? Yeah. Um, I think for me, I obviously like a horse that's, you know, really quite, I like quite a, a sharp horse, you know, a horse that's very sensitive. Um, I like a horse that's, again, it goes back to my system a little bit. I like the horse that's loose, 
supple. Uh, I don't don't like to sort of feel that they they're going to struggle with things like bending. Um, yeah. But the really bizarre thing, a little bit with the horses over the years that I found is they can just change and surprise you so much. You know, you can have a horse that you really love as a four-year-old, five-year-old, and then, you know, you start to struggle with it later on because of whatever reason. And then I've had other horses that I've thought to myself, yeah, I quite like it, but I don't love it. And then, Something you know, the, I, I, yeah. keep, I keep training and, and suddenly it turns seven years old and I go, wow, I really love this one, you know? Yeah, so it's that, so, train, so that it, trainability is so important. Yeah, it's, it's really difficult, and it's what keeps it interesting with the horses. It is so difficult to predict from a young age what's going to be a top, a top older horse. There's so many factors. Um, but I think, yeah, rideability, sensitivity, um, and, of course, these days you, you need quality of the gates. I mean, long gone are the days where you can get by with a, a boring horse you know you, you you need a horse that's got uh you know high quality now there's just too many good horses out there yeah yeah certainly and what would you say is your greatest achievement so far well it's tough to say as a father of my two kids right <laughs> <laughs> <There you go. laughs> but uh horse wise i mean obviously what i did with farouche and, uh, and what i did with um half moon delphi those are you know some special moments that uh, I'll always remember and always be very grateful for to have had those horses in my life, you know? Yeah, yeah, no. And what would you say is your favourite national show and your favourite international show and why? Um, so, national show, I would say probably... Oh, it's a tough one. I've actually got a few good ones. Summerford, I'd probably say. Summerford, I always enjoy Summerford. Yeah. Um, yeah, and um, international Arkan probably Arkan yeah. is top creme de la creme I don't think you can really beat the atmosphere and it feels like a championships when you're at Arkan you know it's proper proper show yeah I mean I've done a few of these podcasts now and everybody says that Arkan's their favourite show pretty much so I think that must be like the, the main one for everybody yeah and would you, what would you say has been your hardest moment and how did you get through it? Oh, I've had a couple of uh, sort of tough things to battle through, you know, in the last, you know, the last sort of uh, you know, five years or so. Losing, you know, obviously it was devastating to lose Farouche to soundness issues. Yeah. Um, it was, I had a, a horrible... Um, a horrible accident with uh, a mare called Half Moon Dynasty that was had just just done her Grand Prix and and just been you know just been so successful in in the Grand Prix. I think she'd just done a show and got seventy two in the in the Grand Prix special, and then I had a, a, a hacking accident on our, on her coming home, um, and you know coming back from you know losing horses that you put a lot of time and effort into, whether they you know gone and been sold or had issues or injuries it's always hard to take because it's such a long road to get a horse to Grand Prix yeah um and when you get there but then obviously get um have have something like that happen it can be you know really devastating yeah 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 so you would you say that your family and your other horses have helped you get through those moments then 
yeah, for sure. Of course, the family, you know, it's always we're a close-knit family and we will always be there to support each other. Um, and, yeah, you just, you just chug on, don't you? I mean, you've just got to be resilient. You've got to... There's yeah, there's a saying that I I follow I follow a little bit and it's uh, <laughs> it sounds a little bit about my personality. It's from the Rocky movies. Yeah. Um, and it says uh, it's not about how hard you hit; it's about how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward. Yeah, that's true, definitely. So that's yeah. kind of that's kind of like a motto that I say to myself whenever I feel like I'm struggling. You know. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. <laughs> that's good. That's good to know. And um, what are your future plans and what does the rest of 2021 hold for you? I think so. Now what we'll do is we've got uh, some of these uh, super horses. We've put a lot of work and time into them. So now hopefully we can start to enjoy some competing again um, and uh, see see where we go, really. I think we're, we're all quite excited to get the horses out and about. Yeah, it'll be nice just to kind of just go back to normal life, won't it? Oh, for sure, yeah. And there was there was one other question actually that I wanted to ask you because you do seem like a very laid back type of person. Um, have you ever had to have any sports psychology in competing or anything? Have you? Is it always been? Uh, does it just been a natural thing that you've had to be chilled out? I think it, people that know me better to call me chilled out maybe they might not say that. I think <laughs> I sort of maybe there's I, I sort of am in a way with certain things, but I'm quite a, I've got quite a busy busy brain I definitely would describe myself as a bit of a worrier um, yeah. and sometimes I have to be, yeah, be careful not to worry about things that I can't control um, but yeah no I haven't had any any sports psychology or anything I tend to just try to tell myself to if I if I feel down I'll just give a kick I kick, kick up the arse and tell yourself to get on with it you know yeah yeah that's my own sports psychology <laughs> yeah that's a good one that's good well, um, thanks, Michael. It was lovely to talk to you today. Um, and best of luck with it all in the future. And who knows, I might be able to get Ferdy Maria on here soon. Yeah. Well, uh, we'll have to get them get them out of the woodwork. That would be good. Yeah, definitely. Well, um, take care and I'll see you soon. Yeah, will do. Thank you. Bye. All right, no problem. Bye. Thanks, Michael. I really enjoyed that chat, as I'm sure lots of other people listening will as well. It was really good to hear about your previous successes, and I'm really looking forward to following your future on your new and up-and-coming horse that you believe could be the best horse you've ever had. So all the best of luck with that. I think what was really nice in that conversation as well that came across is what a good all-round professional you really are. So all the best. If anyone wants to follow Michael, it's Elberg Dressage on Facebook. And if you enjoyed this podcast, I would be very grateful if you would share it on social media. Thank you.